Welcome to Brave Knitting. This is episode number 15 to be released on May 1st, 2020. This is Linda, and I'm here today with one of our new Brave Knitters, my friend Pat. Pat, what are we being brave about today? Socks. Oh, one of my favorites, Linda. So first, I want to say I'm so happy to be a new bee and a part of your Brave Knitting. So thank you for inviting me to join the Hive. We are excited to have you as a part of the Hive, and it is so fitting that you're doing this episode because I know that you love socks. I do. I love them. I just love them. And And I'm such a novice, so tell me what you like about socks. A couple of things. I love, I think the first thing I love once I learned how to knit a pair of socks was I love the yarn. I love the wild, self-striping, crazy color yarns that are out there. Love them. And I have a daughter who loves them too, one of the two daughters. So it's fun to knit socks for her, right? Great gift. She just goes crazy. So the other thing I like, Linda, two other things. One, they're portable. They're easy to, and number two, I know it's not true, but in my head, I feel like it's a smaller project and takes less time because the number of stitches on your needles is such a small number in comparison, say, to a sweater. So it's all in my head. I know because knitting socks is not a, a quick project, but it seems like it goes faster. Like me that that really is pretty new to socks there's a there's a lot to it and as we researched this episode we we both learned how much we didn't know right oh my goodness I had no idea how much I didn't know and I think you and I as we researched I mean I almost became on overload with some of the information it yeah. was like so we will definitely have a um, an advanced sock episode in the future because we're just going to try to touch on the basics today Right. I agree. All right. So before we get too far started, I I do want to kind of introduce you to our listeners a little bit and give them background about you and, and and number one, how we met. We became friends almost 30 years ago, which is a little. No, that long. And we both worked for the same company, but Pat lived in Houston and worked in our Houston office, and I worked in the Dallas office of the same company, and we were both part of a total quality management program that was like a it was like a nine month program or maybe a year long program. I think it was a year, Linda. Actually. Once a month for a week, you know. And I think back on that, that's a lot of time to be away from the office, right? Was it? One- you know, you're right. And the fact that they let us, they believed in that program so much that they invested that much, right. you know, time. Right. So at the time, we, we worked for um, a company that owned hospitals all over the country. And so we met in Austin, Texas, right, which is kind of in between Dallas and Houston. And that's where I met Pat. But there were other people from all over the country. There were other like hospital CFOs and COOs and other people in there also. But we became, even though we had nothing in common at the time, we we were in very, very different stages of life, right? I was, you know, in my early, I like to say early, it was probably more like my mid-30s, and single, never married, no kids, biological clock was ticking, and uh, <laughs> I was wondering what was going to happen. And, you know, Pat had been married, divorced, had children who were graduating from high school and college, I think, the year we Yes, right. And so you would think that we really had nothing in common, but we became like almost instant friends and just from day one could just almost talk to each other about almost anything. That is true. So age has nothing to do with our, you know, we had, I I don't know what the click was, but it's lasted all these years and it's been great. And we have never lived in the same city, which is really funny. So that's our history. And I know you have, well, first, how long have you been actually knitting? So I, when we were planning this episode, I had to go back and figure all this out. And I figured out, I started, I learned to knit as a um, late, I was in my late 20s, and my mother-in-law taught me to knit. 
I had never, never picked up a needle, had never knitted. My, my, my family didn't knit. So my mother-in-law taught me, and this was in the late sixties. Okay. And, um, but truthfully, I was a, what I call an on again, off again knitter, Linda. I wasn't doing it all the time. I, and I wasn't very adventuresome. I wasn't brave. <laughs> I, now that I look back, because I was knitting, you know, I was knitting scarves and cows and hats. And I didn't really become serious until my first sweater in 2018. And I have you to thank for that. Oh, wow. And that started me on what I call my brave journey now, as far as my knitting history. Because since that first sweater, I have now, I'm starting a fourth sweater for my son-in-law, a very involved cable uh, fisherman's sweater, Aaron's sweater. So it's really, and now I knit every day, Linda. And it's so much more fun, right? Than just yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's great. What about um, what about your? I know you have an interesting sock knitting, right? <laughs> yes, um, uh, socks. Actually, it's pretty amazing that I even knit socks. Um, I actually went back. I I try to keep notes, um, and I'm getting better at the details I record. But I went back and I actually found my notes from my first pair of socks. Oh wow! And they were actually in. They were actually finished in June of 2016. That was my very first pair of socks. You probably think it was much later, right? Earlier. 20, 30 years ago that you No. Oh, what? But what happened, this part of the story you maybe remember, is I finished that first pair in 2016, but it wasn't my first attempt. Okay. And that's, and that first attempt was probably 10 years prior to that. I actually took a sock class. Went in, you know, I don't remember how many weeks long the class was. The class was over. I hadn't even finished the first sock. <laughs> we weren't, we were knitting them one, you know, one at a time. And I put it aside and thought, oh, I'll get back to it. And I don't remember how many years later I went back to it and I couldn't figure out the pattern. I couldn't do it. I, I could not knit, I could not finish the sock. So I thought, what am I going to do? Because I really was intrigued to learn how to knit socks. So I found a tutorial that was a um, step-by-step, both photo and written tutorial. I think it was 25 pages long, printed it off and literally taught myself how to knit socks. I finished that. I finished the first socks I hadn't finished, knit the second one, and then went on to do another pair. So, okay. So, and I'm so pleased at, with myself that I was brave enough to persevere, so to speak. Although many years elapsed in between all of that. So, so what about you? When did you, did you just start knitting socks? I made my first sock in September of 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. And the, and I really, I've, I've knitted for as we've talked about in the past on the, on the podcast, I, I first learned to knit over 30 years ago, probably right before I met you, a few years before I met you. And I was a really prolific knitter for four or five years. And, and then I you know, just got interested in other things and my knitting kind of went by the wayside and every once in a while I would knit something, but there were many, many years where I didn't really knit much of all. And then in 2017, is when I really started knitting every day again and just kind of really jumped into the craft again. But in September, it's actually September 2018, I took this trip to Greece and I was looking for a small project to take on that trip. I was, it was a, a sailboat trip. So I needed something, you know, kind of easy. And I had purchased some sock yarn because like you, this is when I was at a phase where I used to fall in love with yarn and just buy it without having any project in mind. Right. And right. I fell in love with this Felici self-striping sock yarn that they carry on knit picks every once in a while. 
and so I took that and I found a, or you, you got, you gave me the pattern. You gave me this yes. pattern. You said, Oh, this is the best one for a beginner sock knitter. And so I did that and I, I didn't even finish that sock. I, I made like maybe three quarters of it on that trip and did, did not really love knitting socks at the time. Mm. I really did not love using really tiny needles and fingering yarn. Okay. So it just, it was kind of a chore for me and it was my first time doing socks. And, but I finally back in January of this year, I said, you know, I've got a, Anne and I had both at the beginning of this year said that we really want to learn how to do socks and I need to be brave about this. So I picked up that, you know, unfinished sock. I finished it and I have since made the mate. So well, kudos to me. So I, I have a pair of socks. Oh. I cast on when Anne and I were doing our episode about knitting in the round, neither one of them right. had done magic loop before then. And so as an experiment, and for education in terms of the podcast, I cast on a, a toe-up, two-at-a-time magic loop pair of socks. Wow. And, and I got, you know, a little bit past the toe area on, on those. And I just was not happy with the way the magic loop was working for me, where the, to me the wires just kind of pull apart too tightly. And I was not able to get those gaps between the two needles closed nicely. So I just recently ripped that out. And then my most recent sock adventure is for the level two masters, you are required to do a Argyle sock that is knit flat until you get to the very bottom at the toe. And then you just work the toe area in the round on two circulars. And I just finished that last night. That's exciting. So when you say you work it flat, so there's a seam on the entire sock except for the toe? Yes. Okay. You do mattress stitch. Okay. And in, in most cases, my understanding is in most cases, these Argyle socks, I think, are usually have a seam up the back, I think is the traditional way. The pattern that I have that really I was attracted to for some reason has a seam on the side. And it just, when I was looking at patterns, it just seemed easier to me for some reason. And I, I, I enjoyed doing it. I, I really liked it. I've, I've made some mistakes that will, I'll talk about a little bit in the section, okay. but, but overall I'm happy with it. It probably won't be the one that I send to the committee with my submission. I'll probably do its mate and hopefully there'll be some improvement, but, but overall it's, it's pretty good and I like it. So I'm. So just, since you've done three different methods. Yes. May I ask you, if you were to knit another sock, what would you knit? What method would you use? Oh, well, I'm going to tell you about that when we talk about our craves at the very end. Oh, okay. 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 I'll wait. So, but, so we should tell people that there are three basic types of construction for socks. Yes, we should talk about sock construction because... It, especially if people are listening and they're a beginner, they're going to think, well, which one should, which construction should I do first? Right. And I've found that people are, some people are very passionate about what construction they think is best. I've heard people talk about, no, 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 no. Toe up is, you know, is, is, I would never do toe up. That's no good. Top down. So let's talk about those three um, and some of the pros and cons. I, the, the toe, uh, top down or cuff down, meaning you start at the cuff and work down the leg, then the heel, then the foot that well, from what I've been reading, that is the most common and there are more patterns available. So that's what I've read. I think that that is true because I think it's, that was the, a way socks were originally done. I think the toe up and the magic loop are relatively new. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that means in the last 20 years or the last 50 years, but certainly. So, you know, one of the other pros for top down 
and I can't talk to it because I haven't done a toe up yet, is it said that you get a better fit? See, and I've read the opposite. You, pardon? You've read the opposite? It's kind of like doing, because with the toe up, you know, you know exactly, you know, you can put it on. You know what? You can put on a top down. I just, I'm almost finished with a new pair of top down and I put them on all the time. But, but, but it's on the wrong part of your leg. I mean. No, I can. So the, <laughs> I don't understand. No, I can put on a top down. But then it's just dangling on your leg. Well, I'm at the point now where I've got the foot. I'm, I'm almost to the toe on this top down. So this is, the whole sock is almost finished. Okay. And I'm able to put that sock on my foot. Okay. And you're able to figure out with it on your foot how much more to knit? Oh, yeah. It's going to feel? Because I, it's interesting because some of the pros and cons I researched, they said that they think that you, it's easier to fit a top down. Right. And you've maybe seen something to the contrary. Yeah, no, I've always, I've, I've always heard the opposite, that that's why people like the, the toe up, because they can actually put their toe in it and kind of feel yeah. I think I think, Linda, what they were talking about is that the heel on a top down, the construction, and we'll, we're going to talk about heels later, but they were talking about the top down heel, you get a snugger than you do in the heel choices for a top up. This is only what I've read. I haven't made a toe up, so I can't address the heel. Okay. Well, I've done all three, so I guess I'm the authority now. Yes, yeah, so now what? <laughs> um, so let me talk about some of the negatives for top down, okay? If you're, and here again, when we get into heels, it will make more sense, but if you do a very common heel structure that's a, called the flap for the top down you have to pick up stitches and some people don't like to pick up stitches okay that is like um or some people don't like you know when you get to the toe on a top down a lot of the uh, you have to seam or graft the toe and some people that intimidates them they don't want to they don't want to do that so just a couple of things that they mentioned uh, might be negatives for people. Okay. Well, they're obviously not brave if they're not willing to do those things, right? Correct. <laughs> I, I did read one thing and it made so much sense. <laughs> this one, um, in fact, her name is Kate uh, Atherley. I think you, you've sent me some things from her. Editor. She's an editor at nitty dot, technical editor at nitty.com and has written some sock books. But anyway, I, one thing that she said I love, she said, if you're new to knitting socks and you don't know the different techniques, it's not a good project to take if you have no research material available for you, okay? So for example, if you started doing picking up stitches and you'd never picked up stitches before and you didn't have the internet available right. to research, you know, you might, you would be frustrated, okay? Because uh, you're gonna maybe need some resources to help you get through some of the areas. Now, let me ask you, because you've done a toe up, they mentioned that one of the advantages was you don't run out of yarn, okay? You have one skein. If you, you know, you can figure out as you're knitting, if you're, if, you know, you can shorten the top of the sock, so to speak, not have the leg be as long. Right. If you think there's a, yarn issue. The other one was um, you don't have to seam or graft something called the Kitchener stitch, right. which people will be familiar with, right? Um, but one of the negatives, and I don't know if you, if you had issues with this, was they said it requires a special cast on and cast off, that the cast on and the cast off are not um, are not as easy. Okay. Would you would you agree with that or not? I I guess I would not agree. Okay. Once again, I'm always going to be the optimistic brave knitter. Okay. And so before I did my first pair of, of 
toe up. Now I have to say, I, I, I didn't finish those toe up ones because those were the ones that were on the magic loop. But oh, that's right, that's right. Okay. them on, and I did get a little ways in, and it was the magic loop that I really was not fond of. It wasn't really the technique of starting. I thought that the, I think the key to that cast on is the you know what, and I have it written here. Um, what you found something called the Turkish cast on, which is I did do the toe up. And I guess in recent times, in the last 15 years or so, Judy Becker discovered Judy's magic cast-on, which is a variation of the Turkish that people okay. say is a little bit tighter and doesn't have some of the problems with being loose the way that the Turkish can. But they're very, very similar if you if you look at them. And, and even the method is very similar. Now... I knew about the Judy Magic Cast On before I did these, so I had found a tutorial, a video actually done by the Grocery Girls, and they were talking about two at a time Magic Loop socks, but they did this um, cast on, <coughs> and that's where I learned that cast on. I have since found another video that we'll give our listeners a link to by okay. Forty. That is, she's, you know, she's saying the same thing. And if you Google Judy's magic cast on, you'll see lots of tutorials and videos about it. But the cat boardy one I thought was a little bit more straightforward than some of the other ones I had seen. And now that I've seen, not, I've done it, and now that I've watched it again, I really think I could just sit down and do it and not have to go and look at a tutorial. or. Video. Oh, okay. So but I here it hard. I really didn't. Okay, and I was going to say, I think um, my next being brave about socks is to do a different sock construction. So it was going to be a cast, a, a toe up, right? Um, and I actually found trying to do a the cast on. I found I, I had difficulty. I've now I've now seen enough uh, tutorials that I found some that work for me and what really worked because it's, it's very different than casting on for a top down. What I found is I used bigger needles and I used larger yarn to learn the technique. Right. Rather than, you know, rather than the sock yarn weight um, and the smaller needles. Um, I think anyone who wants to do socks uh, and is new to them, um, I think I would recommend that you try more than one method just, you know, and then you can make that decision, which, which do you like better? Um, right. And, and here's the thing is you don't have to like one method better than the other, right? I don't, I don't have to like one of my children more than the other one or other two. I, I might, but I don't have to. And I think maybe it's the same thing. And that's kind of how I think how I'm feeling about socks now. I have, you know, I've tried all three of these methods and I can honestly say that I don't necessarily think I have a favorite. Okay. So I had a hard time, Linda, finding, because I haven't done the flat yet. Um, so I was going to ask you, I, could, I, I couldn't find a lot of information about pros and cons. The two that I found, Linda, was it said a pro for, uh, um, a positive for knitting flat is it's easier to fix mistakes on a... I think that's true. You know, so that was a positive. If you've got a mistake and you're knitting flat, it's easier than fixing a mistake that you've knit in the round. I think also you can see it better, right? Because when you're knitting flat, you know, you can kind of stretch it out and it's kind of right. flat in front of you, where sometimes in the round it, it sneaks around and you don't see it, right? But you know, the, the, the one positive or pro that I found that I thought was interesting was if you're someone who doesn't like knitting in the round, if you don't like circular knitting, then flat socks would be perfect for you, right? I mean, you could still knit socks and you don't have to, you don't have to be brave if you don't, you know, don't want to be. Um, but I thought that was a, that was a good point. However, I think... Yes. In the round, people in general don't like seaming. That was the negative I was going to mention. Yes, they don't like seaming. Now, 
as I you know mentioned, I'm in the middle of working on the level two master's stuff. And level two is all about finishing and seeming. Okay. That's all I have been doing for the last two or three months, working on these swatches and projects that all have to do with seeming and finishing. So right now, I feel pretty confident with seeming. And it, it doesn't seem scary to me My, when I'm done with it. It looks very neat, polished, you know, not not problematic. And so I guess that's what I would say to people. It's kind of, you know, it kind of goes back to anything else that, you know, the first time you do it, you're, you probably will make some mistakes and it may not look perfect. But it's one of those things, I think the more you do it, the more it'll just become second nature and seem easy after a while. You know, that's a really good point about um, you just have to try it. You just have to do it. I have my first pair of socks that I knit. And I mean, I'm embarrassed by them now, but right. But they're kind of precious to me also, because I went ahead and I finished, I got it done and, and I learned so much. And then I went on to knit more socks. So, right. um, And my first pair of socks, I don't even like, I don't even like, I bought them because of the yarn and I'm not even that crazy about the yarn now. So I've never worn them. They're, they're just sitting here in my knitting drawer. Oh, you've never worn them? Never worn them. No, I don't really care about wearing them. I think I will wear my Argyle socks that I'm working on now. Okay. They're sort of cute and kind of different. Okay. And, and I have some other socks that I'm interested in knitting that I'll talk about a little bit later, but Okay. And I'm re- really hoping that one of my dearest friends who loves to knit socks will make <laughs> a pair of socks someday as a gift. <laughs> Hint. So do you have any other tips for beginners? Um, actually, I do. Um, I think I think I tried to find that tutorial that was so helpful to me, but, you know, that was... I don't know how many years ago that was, and I, it's no longer online. So I went and I checked out. If I were a beginning knitter, I would recommend a couple of things. If it was going to be my first pair of socks. Number one, I would recommend one of two things. Either take a class, although that would be difficult right now during our pandemic. Okay? There's a lot of online classes. so. But there's a lot of online classes. You're right. There's also a very good sock tutorial out there that I'm going to recommend. Um, And it's by 10canknits.com. And that'll be in our show notes. Okay. Okay. If you go to their website, 10canknits.com, they have at the top, they have a banner and there's something called help. If you go into the help section, they have what are in-depth tutorials. Very, very, um, elaborate with pictures and and written instructions but what I really liked Linda was they have something called projects for learning so you let's say you're new to this you've never knit a pair of socks you could go on there and you could choose their sock project they have one called rye socks and this is all free this is a free sock pattern yes it's free a free sock pattern um and they walk you step by step through that pair of socks, which I think would be a great begin a, a great beginning for any new sock. Knit. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we will definitely put that in the in the, the links in our show notes. Now, there's another one that I also liked, and I happen to like I I really like this person's website a lot. I think you're familiar with Stacy Perry, who does VeryPink.com. Stacy has some really great tutorials, I mean, uh, out there. But if you, if you go to her website, you click on Find Your Sock Tutorial, and it's a chart. And you choose a pattern uh, off of this chart based on your skill level, okay? The yarn weight, um, whether it's for a woman or a man. Uh, the needle size. Now, on Stacy's um, website, you actually buy a pattern. And then within that pattern, once you've bought it, are all the tutorials that you need to learn all the different steps for that pattern. So 
I think it's another good resource. Um, okay. Sounds good. And as you know, because you've knit enough socks or been involved with them, there are so many patterns out there. There's so many resources for finding patterns. I mean, that, you can become, I think, overwhelmed by it, right? Um, yes, definitely. But I think a couple of good resources are Ravelry, uh, um, you know, obviously. Uh, Nitty.com. Um, a lot of books on sock knitting. A lot of different books. Or you can just Google if you Google how to knit a pair of socks, right? Um, Lots of options. You'll be, you'll be, yeah, overwhelmed. So, um, but uh, lots of options. So um, if you've got the desire, um, there's lots of help for you out there. Okay. That sounds good. So. so I know one of the things that I've always been a little confused about that I, when I'm at a yarn shop or sometimes if I'm shopping online or I'm at one of these festival kind of places, and I'll see some yarn, I'll pick up some yarn that I really like, and it'll say sock yarn. Ah, yes. Like socks. And so, like, what is sock yarn? And do I, do I have to use, so, <laughs> do I have to use this <laughs> pair of socks? And, and how is it different than fingering? I'm confused about the whole sock yarn thing. So, actually, um, loosely defined, any yarn that you use to knit a sock <laughs> is sock yarn. And it can be any weight, Linda. It can be lace weight. It can be fingering, worsted. Um, and it can be made of any fiber. Now, there's advantages and disadvantages. And for that reason, they developed what they called, a, they developed a yarn called sock yarn. Okay. And it is typically... And it was developed for the purpose of knitting socks for a couple of reasons. It, because you want, and that, and that yarn is usually fingering, all right? right okay. The, the typical sock yarn, although my first pair was called sock yarn and it was sport, okay? But they developed a yarn for knitting socks because they wanted to build in durability. They, because a sock, if you think about it, takes a big beating right. as far as a knitted uh, item that you're going to wear. Gets a lot of abrasion, wear and tear. You just think about, and your foot sweats, right? Yes. Um, so it needs to have, needs to be durable. It needs to be elastic uh, to some extent. Right. So a lot of your sock yarns, they've, they've blended it with nylon. Yeah, that's what I was reading. Um, I, I did a quick, purchase of my, you know my new hero Clara Parks mm -hmm. the the knitter's book of socks I didn't want to pay I don't know however much the 30 35 dollars that the book cost but I bought the Kindle version of it and I okay added it to my Kindle a few days ago and I, w I read through part of it it's just way too much information about sock yarn <laughs> that I really need or want so I'm glad I only bought the Kindle version but but she had mentioned that that the optimal sock yarn was 85% wool and 15% nylon. So as a wool I think character. Yes, it, yes, it will differ. <clears throat> and that combination, because I found a lot of what Kate from knitty.com was talking, I, I liked some of the things she said about sock yarn. And she, as I said, has written some books on how to knit socks. She says that the ideal is 25% nylon and 75% wool. So more stretch. <clears throat> um, you know, we've got different different experts, you know, who have different opinions. Um, so one of the things that they mentioned for ideal sock yarn is that it has multiple plies. So you would not use a single ply yarn to knit a sock. The structure would be would not be durable and would not be elastic. It wouldn't it would fall apart, so to speak. It wouldn't stand up to the abrasion. Okay. So they were mentioning that you want multiple plies and you want them tightly twisted. So you will find a lot of sock yarn is four ply. 
I don't know if you've noticed that, but a lot of the sock yarn. Hadn't thought about it, yeah. Yeah, but it makes sense. She also mentioned, and I thought this really made a lot of sense, that if you don't want, a lot of sock yarn is super wash. Right. You know, because you're going to be washing your socks a lot. <laughs> it's not like a sweater that, you know, um, you can wear multiple times. So a lot of people like super wash in, for their sock yarn because they're going to throw it in the washing machine multiple, multiple, multiple times. She did say, if you want to try out a yarn and you're not sure whether it's going to work for socks or you want to try a blend that, um, you know, is maybe 50% wool, 50% cotton. That was one that was suggested that those two go together very nicely. Um, but she said, try a swatch. She said, knit a swatch, carry it around with you, rub it a lot, give it a lot of abrasion, kind of test it, take it for a test drive, so to speak, right? And if it pills for you or it starts to deteriorate, then that wouldn't be a good choice. Okay. But for a beginner, I would go out and buy that. I'd, I'd go out and buy that, you know, sock yarn. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So the last kind of construction thing we're going to touch on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we're going to touch on it because when we started thinking about it, researching, trying to find definitions of everything, we just opened up a whole new can of worms. And, and this whole idea about heel construction and the conclusion that I have come to after all of this is that there are and we because we found many different names and I think a lot of times there was just the, a different name for the same thing that there are basically two types of constructions and there are variations of each but one is a flap and one is an afterthought and I think there's another one that is a short row but see, I think the short row is just a version of the flap. But something I read, I saw where the short row didn't have a flap. No. The heel was, was created by short rows and there was no flap. Okay. That may have been what I, See, I don't really understand what it is that I did on the Argyle, if it's a flap or a short row. Because I did short rows, but maybe it has a flap. I don't know. No. <laughs> Very... You know, you and I talked about this, Linda, because you're right. The research both of us did only led me down a rabbit hole, and I got more. <laughs> it got more confusing. I got more confused. We did things. Do what? Learned a lot of new things. Like we oh, yes. But the one thing I learned was I just, I mean, and I, the socks that I knit, I just do what the pattern tells me to do, right? Right. And you're not worried about what they call it or, yeah. Correct. But... Some people, but to me, you're right. I will agree that I've not done what they're calling this short row with no flap thing. But if we just talk about heels that have flaps and heels that are what they call afterthought, those are really very different. So that afterthought heel, which I did on, that was the SOS sock, the Susan B. Anthony, or Anderson sock pattern. Yes. You actually knit the heel is done last it's done you know that's why I guess called afterthought so you knit you knit your whole sock which is a tube right um and then you go back later and either cut into and insert a, a heel or you've done while you were knitting that tube you you knit a couple of um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for, Linda? Um, Rose. Pardon? Waste yarn. Waste yarn. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. Um, and so you place, you know, place a couple of rows of waste yarn that you're going to go back in and unpick and then insert that heel. Right. Did you like that heel, by the way? You did it on that pair of socks. Oh, I, it was fine. Like, I had nothing to compare it to. Okay. I have something to compare okay. it to. It, you know, once again, it's like, do I have a favorite child? No, it's to me, it was just... It was just another way of doing it. It's kind of, to me, it's a, a little, little bit like talking about top-down sweaters versus bottom-up. Okay. If you want to have to do, to do the other, it depends on, you know. Sometimes yeah. I wear a dress, sometimes I wear a skirt. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I, I guess maybe that's a point that I would like to make to our brave knitting audience is that, you know, let, let's all be open-minded and not, not get into this kind of rut about, oh, I only do, you know, cuff down socks. It's like, well, you know, maybe you'll see a really interesting pattern for a, a toe up and, you know, don't be intimidated or scared by it just because you haven't done it or you, you think you don't like it, you know, just. So we probably do need to mention, though, I think one of the big differences for me between the, the flap versus the afterthought um, is the flap can be a reinforcement. Um, the way you knit a flap can reinforce that area of the sock. So it might be more durable than the afterthought. Would you agree or no? No. See, and I think... But no. you and I got into a little debate about whether or not that reinforcement is is just a technique in and of itself, or is it really part of the flap? And what what I discovered is that that reinforcement is called a heel stitch, where you do this okay. slip stitch method that that creates kind of a thicker fabric. And there are some other methods that do that also. But I don't think it has anything to do with the flap. I think it's just something that you do most times when you, most patterns that call for a flap also have that heel stitch also. But you, So you don't think it's done to make that heel more durable? Well, what you could do that on the afterthought, you, to me, you could do it on any heel. Or any, That's true. Or any, you could or any you know, to me, it's just, they're just two different things. Okay. That's, that's, that's my point. And I did think that was interesting that where I did finally go and look that up because I was so curious after we talked the other day and I wanted to, I want, really wanted to understand if it was the flap that was reinforcing it or if it was something else. So I will agree that it was the stitch that you were using on the flap that created a little tighter surface. Right. So it was more reinforced. I did, after you and I talked, go and look for more and found that flaps can be knit. They don't need to have a special stitch. They can be just a stocking knit stitch. They can also include the pattern. You can continue the pattern into the flap. And I've seen a lot of flaps that also were ribbed. Yeah, so there's lots of it here again, a lot of variation. And a rib would also create that same sort of reinforcement, right? Yes. Thicker. So, and I also, something I read said some people came up with other sock or heel uh, options because they didn't like the way the flap looked. I don't know if you ran into that when you were researching. Anyway, um, again, I, I will choose the sock pattern because I like the sock and I'll, I'll knit the heel the way I'm, you know, the pattern tells me to. <laughs> okay. I think we've had enough about socks for now. <laughs> I stand. But we do have an exciting uh, announcement that Ooh. we have a giveaway from one of the people that you and I met at Vogue Knitting Live. Jill Leary from Jill, Jilly and Kittles. I remember. Jill has sent us a beautiful skein of, let me get this right here, fancy sock yarn. And it is 85% superwash merino and 18% okay. nylon. And I don't know. Now, people out there listening can't, can't see this, but, but Pat and I are Zooming while we're recording. Ooh, and so yum. Kind of Thing. It's called the, the the colorway is called bashful, and to me it's it's kind of like like mauve from the nineteen eighties. If you know people that are old enough to remember like how popular mauve was. Oh yeah, I remember that color. Yes. Pinky peachy, and to me it almost reminds me a little bit of uh, my my daughter really loves all this rose gold stuff that is popular these days. So to me, it's kind of like the yarn version of rose gold. Is, is it variegated, Linda? It looks... Yes. It is definitely variegated. Okay. Yeah. But, but okay. very pretty if you like that, that soft 
pinky, mauvey, peachy tones. And so she has gifted us a skein, which is four, or 437 yards, 400 meters, 100 grams okay. of the fancy sock in Bashful. And so we will be giving that away. We would like our listeners to do is one of two things. Post a um, picture of your favorite pair of socks to our Instagram account. Okay. Which is Be Brave Knitting or email us and tell us what you want us want to hear more from us about. We, you know, we did this once before a couple of weeks ago when we had another giveaway and it was really interesting to hear what our listeners want to hear us talk about. And so we're developing some episodes with those suggestions in mind. And so we'd like to hear more. So you can email us at beebraveknitting at gmail.com. And we will, we'll run this giveaway through May 31st. Okay. We will announce the winner uh, at the for the June 1st episode. Okay. So and we also want to mention the SOS club. Yes, I was going to ask you because I enrolled in the SOS club. So, I'm excited to see what um what my kids going to be. Um So the SOS club is on Jillian Kittle's site that they are doing SOS which they call sock of the season. So they did one in January, I guess, for winter. There's um, the spring one going on now where you can order the yarn. You get a skein of yarn and you get a pattern. And so this is a collaboration between Jillian Kittles and Brit Stitchery. And Brit Stitchery is the person, I don't know, I guess it's a person, that is providing the, the pattern. And so you don't know what the yarn looks like. You don't know what the pattern looks like. You just have to go on their site, send them your $45, and you will get the, uh, the pattern and the skein of yarn and can knit along with the sock of the season. But it, it is inspired by the nature of the season. And if you're not interested in doing it for the spring, they also have one um, that will start in August, I guess, for the fall or for summer. I forget, fall and winter, I guess. They have two more coming up this year anyway. So we will, get once again, give you links to that. And then just to mention, there's still time to, to purchase that in, that kit because it ships May 22nd. So there's still time. Right. And for people to... I think that Jill will continue to ship those even after that, um, as long as she has the availability of those skeins. If they okay, wonderful. I'm, I'm looking forward. They've before so. May 22nd, you're out of luck, but hopefully she'll have enough for everybody that wants one. Okay, so are we ready to rave? We are. Okay. About. So I get to go first? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I mentioned in the very beginning, one of the things why I like socks so much is I love, I love the self-striping yarn. I love the wild colors. I love the, the striping. And there's... Um, a particular company uh, called Must Stash Yarns. And I, I, I love their colorways. I love their, uh, they, they do special um, lots of dyeing. And so they're limited. And I'm actually on their, you know, they're on their list so that I get a, um, now I get a weekly update um, of, of the new colorways that are coming out. So one thing they offer, Linda, which is really nice, a lot of times when you buy a skein of sock yarn and you just start knitting, your two socks are not going to match, which is fine for me. I don't mind that they don't match. But this particular company, they actually, um, their sock yarn is you've got two skeins. And if you start at the same place in the yarn, you will get two socks that match. Right. If you if you like that. So, but they've got beautiful colorways. So I have never purchased their stuff, but I have admired it when they've been at DFW Fiberfest. And I was really hoping to admire some this year at DFW Fiberfest. And I thought I might even buy some and then stick it in the bag of my good friend <laughs> knit me a pair of socks, but, but that didn't happen. But you're right. They have beautiful yarn, really fun. 
Yes. And um, the other thing is their, their colorways are limited runs. Right, right. So you don't, I mean, so I'm going to tell our listeners, if you go on their website and you see something you like, I would don't, I would say buy it now. Because every time I go on their website, there's never anything there. (laughs) The ones that you like. Yes. I've gone on a couple of times where they've literally had nothing. Like they were on. Oh no. Oh, that's right. And I guess, I guess maybe now it's easier because they're not going to any show. So maybe their website might be a little bit easier to shop. And I think you're probably right because I think they hold back or have to for those um, shows they do. And, you know, you and I, I was going to actually join you at DFW Fiber Fest. Right. And it was on my list to go to that booth and <laughs> buy at least one pair of sock yarn. So, yeah, they're, they're great. So if you haven't checked out Mustache Yarn, please do. All right. I yes. also am raving about a yarn and I'm going to rave about the yarn that I use for this Argyle sock. Okay. Quince and Company Finch, which is the Quince and Company fingering weight yarn. Okay. And I like it for a couple reasons. Number one, I think I've mentioned before, I'm really on a kick now where I, I don't really want to use superwash yarns anymore. I would really prefer to use uh, wool yarn that can be blocked and has all the characteristics about wool that got get lost in the superwash process. Finch is not a superwash. It's hundred percent wool, which is interesting that it's, it was the recommended wool for this pattern or the recommended yarn for this pattern. So it is, you know, it does not have any nylon in it and it is not superwash. So it's interesting that it's being recommended for a pair of socks, but they also have a, a really, the interesting thing about Quince and company is all of their yarn weights have come in the same colors so they have like i don't know let's say like 20 colors and all the weights come in those colors uh, that's nice it's it is really nice so, and i and i enjoyed working with the yarn so i'm raving about them and uh, you need to mention linda you're you will be hand washing those socks i will be hand washing those socks yes yes okay yeah, we'll see <laughs> maybe what i'm saying is um, it would be recommended that you hand wash. Right. But, you know, I always live a little on the edge, so I may <laughs> what happens. Okay, Linda. Okay. <laughs> Since I'm talking about those socks, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my misbehave. Okay. Because, you know, the misbehaves just never end with me. So all my misbehaves are on this Argyle sock. And so on day one, I needed two size 1.5 needles. Okay. And so I have one of those and I got gauge. And since it was knitted flat, I thought, well, I'm okay. I can order a second 1.5 needle, which I won't need for a while because you don't, you don't knit in the round until you get to the toe. So you're just knitting flat. So I have a circular needle and I was just knitting back and forth on it. And I ordered from Amazon because, you know, we're still in a pandemic sheltering at home mode. Right. I right. needle. I ordered from Amazon the, the second needle and I thought all would be good. And I'm knitting along and the needle arrives from Amazon and I had ordered a size one and not a size 1.5. So that was my first misbehave. Then I tried. It's a top down a cuff down sock. And so I know I want a stretchy cast on and correct red. And I think I have done in the past Jenny's stretchy cast on not to be confused with Judy's (laughs) magic. (laughs) (laughs) So I tried Jenny's stretchy cast on and I just could not get it. So I finally abandoned that. I did finally get a tubular cast on. Okay. I think I even may have got it on the first try, but it it looks fabulous. Then as I'm knitting along, I somehow go back and I look at the pattern more closely. And I had ordered all my yarn weeks ago from Quince and Company for this. 
because I needed a main color, I need two colors for the argyle boxes, and then I need a fourth color that is just like the stripes, those really thin little stripes on in argyle. Right. So I had four skeins that I purchased from Quincy Company. And as I'm looking more closely at the directions, I realized that I need two skeins of the main color, and I only bought one. So then once again, I have to reorder one silly skein from then I dropped a stitch in the middle of an argyle. So when I noticed it, I, I was able to ladder down and pull it back up. But because it's like in the middle of the argyle and I was already past the point where I was changing back to the other color, the main color, that transition, even though I could ladder up and create the stitch, I couldn't get the wrap between the two colors right in that. Oh. So... Yeah, it, then I, so then I frog back and tried to start knitting and then that looked bad. So my ultimate save is two things with that. Number one is I just put it down for a day and I just walked away and it's like, all right, this is not going well, just walk away. And I want right. it to be a helpful thing in knitting. If you just put it down walk away, come back to it a day later, a week later, whatever, that you'll have a clearer mind. So what I did when I finally came back to it, I realized like I'm just going to have to go down further. And I didn't want to just frog back. So what I did is I just put in essentially a lifeline. Okay. Because I'm still knitting flat, so it's a little easier because it's flat. I just took a skinnier, I took one of my size one needles that I had extra of now, and I just found a row, you know, further down at below all my mistakes and just put my needle into the right hand leg of every stitch on the row and went all the way across. So then, you know, it's essentially it's a lifeline and then I frog it back and I don't have to put okay. it on a needle. So whew, glad I got past all that. <laughs> so, you know, hearing your, your um, misbehave and save, I would think it would give all of us um, a sense of, you know, no matter how many years we knit, we still we still run into problems, right? For sure, for sure. There's so many I mean, and it, we're and, all human. Yeah, and we forge ahead, and we're brave, and we figure it out. Right. So it's just knitting, people. Not brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so I have. Uh, a sock misbehave and save also. I started a new pair of socks uh, and it is a cup down, uh, top down called Colonel Brandon uh, is the pattern's name. And I liked it because it has, um, it has a 10 row repeat of a cable pattern all the way down the front of the sock after the cuff. Okay. And this particular sock construction was a heel flap, okay? So you, you put the front of the sock stitches on one needle and then you, you knit a flap. Um, and then you, you, know, you have to do the pickup um, and then you go back to the pattern after you've done your heel flap. So I was following the instructions and I think there was a mistake, Linda, because when I went back to the pattern row, they told me to, once I've got the heel finished and I've now connected again in the round and I'm continuing the pattern, my pattern's too long. I can tell just by looking at it. And it was like, well, I did what they told me to do. I think there's a problem. And I thought, there's no way I'm frogging this. I am not going to frog you know, a, a 10 row cable pattern on a sock. So I fudged it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you at that point in time, what should I have done? What would be some of my resources for thinking there's a pattern problem? Well, I guess, you know, the first thing is go to like, if the designer has a web page or if the designer is on Ravelry and the patterns on Ravelry, Okay. If there's an errata anywhere for the pattern, that would be Okay. If you can't find that, particularly for an older pattern, you may not. 
uh, go go on Ravelry and look at the projects for that pattern and see if anybody has talked about that in, in their comments when they okay. the project. And and also on Ravelry, on, a, on patterns and projects, there's, if you look on the upper part of the, the screen, there's a tab that says like something like discussion or questions where people okay. have discussions about a certain pattern. I think what happens sometimes is those, those discussions end up being about the designer and not the specific pattern. So sometimes they'll be talking about another pattern and it won't be clear, but, but look there and then see if you can find contact information for the designer and try to email or message them in some way. Okay, so I have an opportunity to actually do that because I'm just now finishing the first sock. So I can try some of those uh, ideas before I knit the second sock. So thank you. Or you could also, because you, you think it's wrong and you know what you did and what it told you to do, you could probably figure out yourself what. what the yes, I probably could at this point. Yes, right. you're right. Begin yeah. on would be so. Yeah. All right. Are you craving anything? I am. I found another yarn that I'm craving. Um, it's called uh, Nua, uh, and it is a yarn that has, um, it's a sport weight. And the reason I'm craving it is because it is a blend of Merino, 60%, Yak, 20%, and Linen, 20%. And that just sounds yummy to me. Those that that uh, blend of and that the merino is is not a superwash. It is you know it's a hundred. Oh, it is okay. Yeah, it's not a superwash. It's regular. You know, it's from a merino um, sheep. So it's a hundred percent wool. Is I've never worked with yak. Is yak very soft? What is the characteristic of react? Do you know? Yes, I think it's soft and lofty. Lofty, okay. And um, airy, gives you, um, uh, creates space, so to speak. So Yeah, that's an interesting combination. I know, and I, um, I, like you, have now graduated to, other than socks, not being interested in knitting with Superwash anymore. I, you know, I, I want to knit with um, 100% wool or 100% natural kind of fiber. Right. So just seeing this uh, blend just sounds, I mean, interesting to me. So I'm, I actually ordered a skein and I'm going to be taking it for a test drive. So. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about that later. Yes. Episode. Okay. My, I have, I ended up with three craves, but oh, wow. the last minute one that I had to add this morning, but there are two sock patterns that I discovered as I was looking for socks and thinking about this episode. And one is called Squirkle, which is a flap heel type pattern, but they have, they call it Squirkle because it's square in a circle because they, the flap is actually a very, very teeny, teeny narrow flap. And so they've, they've developed this sort of new type of, construction that make this really interesting looking sock the other one is the umbrella sock and it also to me just looked very interesting and had really good reviews and the person that designed it you know said she was looking for a toe-up sock that that was easy and she decided that that it was <laughs> so she came up with her own methods but then I discovered a book that I had on my bookshelf I was not even aware that I had it I think I bought it a while back when the Yarniacs, or maybe, maybe I don't think it was Yarniacs. It was probably the Knitmore Girls. I was listening to the Knitmore Girls podcast, and I think they were talking about this cat boardy book called New Pathways for Sock Knitters. And it's really hard to describe the socks in this book, but they don't look like any normal type of sock. Oh. that she has this whole new architecture for socks. That does sound interesting. And apparently they are, there's no picking up. They're knit all at once somehow. They're supposed to fit better. They're very oh. looking. This book was written, I think, back in 2000 and 
oh, I should look at it here. 2007. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But so it, did you say it's the Cat Bordy? Cat Bordy, yes. Okay. And it's still available. It's still available on Amazon. It's called The New Pathways for Sock Knitters, Book One. It, there's no book two that I'm aware of. But the, but the book is available as a Ravelry download. Okay. I, I just discovered that right before we started recording. Um, but I, I have the actual hard copy book, which is also available on Amazon. But it is available as a Ravelry download, which is good because then if there are any updates to the patterns or whatever, you know, they will all. Oh, that's true. Yes. Ravelry spot, whatever. Okay. Whew. All right. So I think we're probably over on our time here. I, I think we are. Mm -hmm. And we're all done, right? We, I think we are, Linda. Okay. I think we're done. So I hope we've interested some people in trying socks. Don't forget about our giveaway. Um, email us or post something on Instagram or Facebook. And remember, be, be brave. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information, check out Brave Knitting at Facebook or Ravelry Group. You can also find us on Instagram at BEE Brave Knitting and email us at BEE Brave Knitting at gmail.com.